Welcome to the Yams and Yukon podcast, where we explore the fabric of Black identities through culture, food, art, life experiences, and more, sharing the stories of international creatives. I'm Heather. Hi, everyone. I'm Kamara, and we are your co-hosts. Welcome to our new listeners joining us today, and a special thank you to those of you who are returning to the table with us. We have an amazing guest coming to the Yams and Yukon table today, but before they join us at the table, we will go into our appetizer for a bite-sized conversation on today's topic. Let's see what's on the menu. So for our appetizer today, we wanted to talk about the topic of determination. And I think I will start us off with that because it's something I know about quite well. <laughs> um, I think if people asked me, especially in about my childhood, about a character trait that kind of um, represents me, I'm pretty sure determination would come in there and be one of the things that people would say. I, I would classify myself as very determined. I always had goals and I still have goals and I I try my very best to do what it takes to achieve them. So that whether that's putting myself in the right rooms, in the right spaces, contacting the right people, I will like make a very strong effort to achieve things. And one thing I remember being quite determined about, didn't quite work out in the end, but was for the Lion King musical. <laughs> that was such a goal of mine. And so I would... I would um, go to the company classes back when you were allowed to go to the company classes or when, you know, if if you asked and you could go. And that was when it was led by um, Thea Barnes, the late Mm -hmm. Thea Barnes. Uh, So I would go to the company classes. I would try and make friends with Thea as best as possible. Anyone who knows Thea Barnes. Not really a, a thing that happens to come yes. friends with, but I tried my best to, let's just say, build a rapport and a relationship. I auditioned for it, I think, probably about 10 times, I would say. Wow. I auditioned for the Australian one. I flew to Paris. I auditioned for the Paris one when it was there. I auditioned for the German one. I auditioned for the London one. I was like so determined. I wanted to be in the show and I was like, you people are going to take me in the show (laughs) and you're going to see me again until um, you take me in the show. As it turned out, they didn't take me in the show. They thought otherwise, but that kind of sums up my personality. If there's something that I want, I will really put in every effort I can to achieve it obviously if it doesn't work out at some point I'll probably hang up my hat but at least mm-hmm. I know that I've put in 100% yeah to achieve that thing so what about you what are your thoughts on determination well just kind of to like you know give you your flowers I feel like I've definitely seen that determination in you when it comes to how you show up and provide for your your students at AYD and like the way that you get you know, those key people in the room, you give them access to things that, you know, otherwise wouldn't normally be accessible or people kind of like, 
maybe are even afraid to ask. You really mm-hmm. just step into the room and and really make those opportunities happen. Like even last week, I saw you had um, Beno Swan for the for the students. I was like, come on, Kamara, <laughs> you better give them dance. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And for our listeners who don't know who that is, um, you know, I've been speaking with the artistic director of Rombe Dance Company, which is one of the leading um, dance companies in the UK and he himself and uh, the head of learning came down to to meet the dancers last week so yes listen and that was a giant that they got to experience I mm-hmm. hope they really took advantage of that experience mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm a bit of a fangirl anyway we're not going to take that detour but <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just, I just really see the way that you really go hard for your, for your students and it's really inspiring and you can see the payoff for sure, for Mm. sure. Even in the direction that the company is going and the new opportunities that are coming in front of you. I'm very, very excited. Thank you. For me, I know that I was a very determined child. I'm a bit tired right now in this, (laughs) (laughs) in this mid thirties, I got to find my fire again, but yeah, definitely. Like I, I really had that main character. I'm getting this. I don't care who's in my way kind of mentality for such a long time in my, in my youth. Um, I know I'm still young, but different phase of life. But for me, it was really like the, my experience and journey to Philodanko. I remember seeing them as a freshman in college the company did a residency at Florida State at our um, choreographic center and they were there for three weeks and I got to see I remember seeing JB for the first time that's Joe Myers Brown and you know some of those like staple Philodanko dolls and guys and that's they call them Danko dolls the women and you know, I was like, I saw um, specifically Maura Mina Park and I was like, I'm going to be her. Like, mm-hmm. that is what I'm doing. And literally every step that I took after that, I felt like it was leading me to Philodenko. And actually, that's not even correct. I saw them for the first time my freshman year in high school mm-hmm. when I was like 13. And I knew that I wanted to be in the company. And then I saw them again freshman year of college. And I was like, I'm going to be at every rehearsal they have while they're here for three weeks. I'm going to talk to JB. I'm going to make sure she sees my face. Mm-hmm. And then four years later, when I was at IABD in Philly, I was like, I'm going to do this dance. Um, I'm going to really like show out on stage so she knows who I am. Went back and auditioned for the company twice. The first time I went in, I was a bit timid, but I still knew people in the company and they tried to help me like prepare for it as best they can could. And then when I came in that second time, I did that audition like I already had the job. I was mm-hmm. like, this is my job. I belong here. And sure enough, I got the job. And it was like that that mindset of mm-hmm. determination really pushed me to the places where I am, where I got to, and actually where I am now. I mean, the same mindset with moving to London and being an international star, that idea came into my head when I was in college. But when I got to that point when I was ready and I started to apply to universities, Like I was determined. I didn't know how I was going to get here, but I was like, I'm going to get here and I'm going to have that experience. And I had a lot of people telling me that I wasn't going to do that. And people saying that, oh, this girl is crazy. What is she talking about? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then come September 14th, 2014, I got on that plane and they were like, oh, (laughs) she was serious, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And so I think, 
yeah, it's definitely helped me push my career and get to those places and platforms that I've always dreamed of. Mm-hmm. And that energy really can steer you in a, sometimes in a direction that's not meant for you, you know? And I think it's also that balance, you know, I was quite determined about at one point about a different dream mm-hmm. and, you know, and didn't get access to that, but I didn't let that deter me from still like wanting certain, mm-hmm. certain achievements in my right. career. Right. You know? So, yeah. yeah. And you said that um, it's kind of different a bit now. So how do you find yourself navigating things now? Do you think that kind of mindset or that kind of really strong determination is still the most effective way for you? My perspective has actually shifted to nurturing that determination in others. Mm -hmm. I see it a lot in my child, Mm -hmm. but I also, when I see it in my students, that kind of fuels me to, to pour into them and to push them to those heights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've I've made a transition to that place of nurturing others. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really where it shifted for me. You know, it's kind of seeing my purpose now is as fostering that determination and, and keeping the fire going in the in the dancers and the artists that are coming behind me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? How? What's your position? I mean, I, I can still see your determination. <laughs> <laughs> that fire is burning, girl. <laughs> um, I mean, I definitely still have determination. That's that's without a doubt. However, I also like the path of ease. So yes. I'm less likely to really go hard for something that is that I'm I'm re- receiving a lot of resistance to. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm, I think determination with ease and, you know, they talk about the path of least, least resistance. So I think that's quite important as well. Determination in a path that is really where the doors are kind of opening up for you. If you're kind of coming up a lot against a lot of hard, hard walls again and again and again for the same thing, I would be more likely to kind of reevaluate and think if this is the best path for me or if there's something else that's going to achieve the same thing, but in a different way. So, yeah, I think it's kind of determination with with ease. Yeah, I resonate with that. I think that's really what I've been leaning into the last couple of years mm-hmm. is like what is for me. And I I see it as alignment, but also yeah, that that right. flow, that yeah. flow of like where you're supposed to be and mm-hmm. where things show up. Right. For me, yeah, definitely for that, because especially with all the hats that I'm juggling and, you know, the biggest job that I have as a mother, I do have to be very mindful of like where I put my energy and it has to be somewhere that's really going to take me to another step yeah. rather than kind of being, you know, scattered and, and trying a little bit of this and that and that. I have to be very intentional yeah. where that alignment of purpose comes into play. And again, that ease yeah, for sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I align with that, definitely. And so what do you, um, you know, I kind of mentioned about fostering that determination in others. Mm -hmm. And you, of course, have, you know, a lovely community of young artists. A lot of them have gone on to start their own careers. How have you seen, I guess in the last, is it seven or eight years now? Mm -hmm. Eight? Are we on eight now? We're on nine now. Nine, okay. (laughs) Wow, look at that time. So in the last nine years, what have you seen works best when you're trying to pull out that determination or uh, inspire that determination in your students? I think that what works best is, you know, some of the traditional things like helping them recognize 
quality, quality dance mm-hmm. and, and sharing with them inspiring teachers, artists, performances, coupled with, you know, appropriate discipline. I think that's the kind of thing that encourages determination, you know, that at some point you need to be consistent with things if that is something that you want. And if it's something that you want, really encouraging people to have the confidence that it is possible for them. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something with the young people, really building their confidence so that they can uh, feel confident to pursue those lines that they want to go down, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, trying to get into a particular school or mastering a particular dance style or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, self confidence and giving them that ability which which comes down to empowering empowering them nurturing their talents making themselves or finding ways where finding things that they feel proud of themselves so it's kind of intrinsic yeah I think those things work with with developing that skill in in young dancers yeah I don't know if that's the key but that is something (laughs) (laughs) that is something that I do and um yeah, I see it a lot more in the younger dancers, actually, that that fire is really there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, once you start to get a few knockbacks, it, it can it can um, disappear a little bit. So it's about trying to maintain that and continue to encourage young people to pursue whatever their goals are and that they can achieve. They can achieve anything, really. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I think that's a great place to stop for our opening conversation. Mm -hmm. We want to invite our guests to join us as well and talk about their experience with determination and navigating a career and the rising of their star. So we're going to take a little break and we will be right back. Welcome back. It's time to introduce our guests for today. We are joined by the second of our rising stars, Gloria Uguarelojo Biachi, someone who we recognize as having made great achievements at a relative young age. But before she comes to the table, I will share some information about her. Gloria Uguarelojo Biachi is a Lagos-based dance artist, choreographer, fitness instructor, actor, and costume designer. Gloria's training includes several national and international residencies and workshops with notable choreographers like Horatio Makwakwa, Sado Boro, Irene Tesembedo, and Olivier Chopanga, amongst others. Most recently, she completed the Awa Dance Mentorship Program in the class of 2021. Her body of work includes stints in theatre, television, and motion pictures. In 2021 at the Institut Française in Burkina Faso, her solo Il made its performance debut at the Fido International Festival of Dance. Her latest acting credit is featuring in the Netflix original titled Mystic River. Wow. Welcome, Gloria. Yes, welcome. Thank you so much, Kamara and Ita Benson for having me here. Yes, and we're happy to have you here joining us. What an amazing resume. <laughs> Thank you. I'm super excited already. Yes, and we're excited to get to know more about you, your journey thus far, and all those wonderful things that you do in the creative and performing arts. But before we get into what you do, we get, like to get to know a little bit more about you and your background and your upbringing and what makes Gloria the person. So. 
starting off one of our signature questions, what is a significant memory growing up that shaped who you are today? A significant memory that shaped who am I today is being the last child of my mom from four children. Um, we lost one on the, on, the, on the way growing up. Growing up in a community where the girl child is not supposed to be as strong as you should be. Having to fend for yourself, especially when losing your father first and having mm. to lose my mother later in life. Mm. Getting people outside my family to support me and believe in me has shaped me to be who I am today. Mm -hmm. And all of this made me Gloria Biachi. Although I like being called Biachi most times because I, I think that my, my father didn't stay long to be heard and I just want to keep his name rolling. Mm, that's really powerful. And you're definitely making your father proud with all that you've accomplished thus far. And even without those accomplishments, you know, that resilience and pushing through and being yourself, as you say, and being the strong sibling and finding those resources to keep you going. Yeah, you're definitely making making your father proud. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So many uh, memories that have shaped Gloria, you becoming Gloria, as you said, which, you know, is so important to, to who you represent and, and what you've done today. And we haven't even gotten started yet. So it's quite incredible already. And can you just tell us more where you consider home? Where is home for you? Sometimes people miss it out to say, to think that I'm from a Francophone country because I spend most of my time in um, Burkina Faso, sometimes in Togo and in Benin. But home for me is Nigeria. Although I was born in Lagos, Lagos State, Ajegule to be precise. But home for me is Delta State, so miles away from Lagos State, where I don't visit all the time. The last time I was there was to take my mom home. This part of Delta State is called Oshimili North. Ebu to be precise, so I'm an Ebu girl. And my both parents are from there. That's why it's so special to me. The most amazing thing is that when growing up, I realized that my mother's home is just a 30 seconds walk from my father's home. And they are both from different villages. And they kept me asking myself, are you sure these people are not brothers and sisters? Well, no, 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 they are not. They are from different villages. And that's how small my village is. Although we have a big ethnic, ethnic ground, because Ebu is from Delta State, but we have, we speak Igala, we speak the Igala language. And Igala is also in Anambra State, they are in Edo State, they are in Kogi State, they are in Benue State. And I'm from Delta State, my grandmom is from Edo State, although we speak the same language. So yeah, back to the question, home for me is Delta State. And I enjoy going there once in a while. I left there two weeks ago to bury my uncle. And yeah, that's home for me. Mm, that's beautiful memories. And I'm really sorry to hear about your uncle and the reason why you had to go back there. But some incredible memories there, especially about your parents living so close to each other, but never having met, which is really interesting. So tell us more, what 
is your favorite food from home? We like to talk about food a lot here at Yams and Yuka. And do you have an experience or special memory with that food? Yes. My favorite food is a soup called obobo. In English, maybe I'll call it a cornflour food, a cornflour soup. It's made of cornflour, palm oil, fish, and any preferred protein that you want. Some spices like pepper, salt. And I have a quite good memory about this food because I never once prepared it at home. But my mom manually taught me about this food while I wanted to have my food practical with a group of people in my junior secondary school, my junior high school, yeah. And at that point, we wanted to have something different. Everyone kept coming in with the same thing, even the other groups. There are some food, signature food in Nigeria that you just expect to see everywhere. So and my group, I just said to them, I said, there's a soup in my village that is made out of corn. And they said, oh, okay, maybe we should try this. I said, but I don't know how to make it. I have to be very, very open to you people. I really do not know how to make it, but I'm going to ask my mom. It was a day before the practical. And my mom said, you never prepared this food anyway. Let's just cook it on the book. And then we had the recipe. We prepared it on the book. I felt like I could do it. And on, the, on that day, the, the most amazing thing was that Although the food didn't come out like my mom would prepare it, but it was a different soup from what everyone prepared. It was the first time they could see and that my team trusted me in, in giving this, this, this recipe a try. And we became the first group to, to, to win this, this food competition because no one had ever seen a corn soup before. It's quite a memory for me. And... The taste is still the same, even if it wasn't like my mom would have prepared it. And it always makes me feel good remembering what happened then and how it has shaped me into being myself now. As current, the food is still my favorite. Everywhere I go, when I meet my family members, they know, oh, this soup is our favorite, so we have to prepare this soup for Gloria. <laughs> All I have to do is have a cornflour with me and cornflour is everywhere and it's a soup anyone would really like to have. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And that's incredible that you won the competition first time making it straight out of the gate. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thank you. That's incredible. That sounds really delicious. I'm going to need to find that recipe. <laughs> Actually, I'm a fan of cornflour and a little bit of fish. So that sounds, of course, peppers, of course. A little bit of pepper if you want to or not. Yeah, that sounds really, really good. Okay, okay. So speaking of first, you're currently in the ensemble of the first ever African version of Pina Bausch's Rite of Spring with a cold de sable and Sadler's Wells. Can you tell us how did you get involved and what has that experience been like? First of all, I never, I never knew about the audition. Mm. I worked in the company. I did a workshop with a company in Burkina Faso, a team headed by Serge Eme Golibali. And the logistic person sent me the audition dates on Facebook saying that she, she thinks this will be really good for me. And this is like after a year or two, I haven't spoken to her. And she's in Germany. Her name is Sarah Vick. 
And when she sent it to me, I'm like, okay, this is a good try. This is the first time I'm seeing this. And the first thing I went for was the requirement. I saw that I could I could fit in, that I fit in really well for the requirement. And the next thing I thought of was, how would I leave Nigeria all the way to Senegal? Two ways was to either travel by road, which mm-hmm. is like six days by road, or to fly an hour, 30 minutes. And I was determined to fly an hour, 30 minutes, but I didn't know how I would do it. And so I asked some friends who told me I could get grants from people, I could get support from people. And someone just said to me, why don't you go to Gote Institute in Nigeria? And, you know, just try your luck to see, um, Gote Institute Lagos, just try your luck to see if they could give you something. And then the first time I went there, I couldn't get to see the director because they were on holidays. I went there again, same thing. That's so why I kept going there. I mm. kept going there because I needed to travel. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to go by road, so I kept going there. I think on the fifth day, the um, receptionist asked me, why do you keep coming to see this person that is not around? And I said, I really need to be somewhere. And I have an option of going by road, but I need, I need support if I can get one. And he said, you know what, maybe I can share an email with you and you write it directly. Be very professional, please. And when I got the email, I sent, I just didn't send my letter ahead of what I wanted. I also sent my CV because I am not um, applying for a direct grant. I just needed the support. Mm. So when she saw it, she she replied me immediately and, and said that she would get back to me, not knowing that she wrote to a code sub to ask if I was chosen, because then you get selected for for the auditions and was asked if I was chosen and it could self confirmed. So I was given half a million naira by the Gote Institute to travel. This is really fast saying it, but it was really a time and it was worth doing going through that stress to get this help. It was worth it. And I got that support from Gote. I got to the audition, was amazed to see a lot of dancers. A lot of dancers from all over Africa. I've never seen an audition like that before. But when mm. I got there, I said to myself, I know why I'm here. I know I'm here and I'm, I'm not going back to Nigeria. Having going through all those stress, I'm not going back to Nigeria without, without having to get anything from this place. And we had three days audition, three days audition. And on the third day, we were selected 38 dancers out of a thousand and something dancers all over Burkina Faso, Senegal, and Ivory Coast, that's Côte d'Ivoire. And it was quite amazing to go through this other phase. I've been to audition, but auditioning outside my country, auditioning outside my space, auditioning outside my comfort zone was something, was something different. And you know, when you get to audition, meeting people with different styles, and sometimes you get encouraged and sometimes you, you know, you get down flatted, but you, you have to find that courage in yourself first to, to boost you. If you don't boost yourself, nobody will. So I kept doing that to my body. I kept telling myself, I, I don't know, because when I got there was when I knew what, what I was into. 
I said, I don't know. I'm not really into this style, but I'm going to try all I can mm. to, to get into this style. Because first of all, when I want to introduce myself, I say that I'm a versatile dancer. And if you're being versatile is one of these things. And before get, going for the auditions, I read a little bit about Pina and I realized that she does, she's really not interested in who you are, how you move, how fantastic you are as a dancer, but what moves you. So I, I programmed myself into a particular state and I, I'm glad I'm glad all of this happened to me. I, I, I'm really glad all of this transformation happened to me from how I started, from how I got the audition, the audition um, program to how I could get to Senegal, to how I could make the auditions, to how I could get selected for the auditions and to this moment. It's been a great journey for me, a great, great journey for me. That is incredible. And uh, the determination that you had to keep going back to get that funding and to keep just trying, not knowing what to expect. And like you said, all the stress of like knowing you had somewhere to be. Yeah, that's incredible. Well done. So through that experience and all of the others that you've had, what have you learned about yourself as an artist and a creative over the years? I've learned to understand that collaboration is is the key and I've learned to find my voice. I've learned not to live in isolation and to accept different cultures. One more thing is that I've learned to adapt to situations myself. Doesn't matter what the situation is, good, bad and ugly. You just learn to accept it. You learn to adapt to it. You learn to live with it and you learn to outshine it. That's really, really good. I like that. I'm, I'm making note, outshine any situation because that's like taking it to the next level. Sometimes, yeah, you do adapt and you make those adjustments, but when you kind of really let it elevate you or who you are and your artistry, that's taking it to the next level. So gonna keep that in my pocket. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I like that as well. Adapt, accept and outshine. Yeah, beautiful. So Gloria, it's so amazing hearing about all the things that you've learned about yourself, because honestly, it takes artists, creatives, people a lifetime to figure out some of those things that you have already, you know, been able to articulate and to consider as part of your life. So that's just so incredible, quite honestly, and very inspirational. And I know our listeners will feel inspired as well. So thinking about those things as well as others, what does success mean to you? I just simply say being fulfilled, being happy, being safe, maybe being healthy and loved. But over time, I've realized that success to me is to have a goal, to plan the steps and to achieve the goals. Success to me means doing something that makes me happy and dancing makes me really happy. Not forgetting the other things I do as a customer when I'm not dancing to you know, change my state of mind. As an actor, having an artistic life takes me away from so many distractions. This is success to me. Success is doing things that I enjoy and not taking part of least resistance. Finding myself, enjoying how I've grown and developing myself 
physically, mentally, and for sure, spiritually. Those are good things to think about and to consider success. It's not always necessarily, you know, something that's tangible, but it can just be that spiritual feeling, which is which is wonderful. And you mentioned that you are an actor, and we heard from your bio that you are an actor and a costume designer, as well as a dance artist. What would you say are your proudest personal and professional achievements so far? As an artist, my life is also my work. I always try to segregate this, this personal and professional facts, but... I would say my proudest personal achievement was to be able to debut my piece, my dance piece, Ile. It's called Ile in a very faraway land where nothing seems to be working at that moment. I was still having and keeping my fingers crossed to be back on tour. So I was invited to Burkina Faso again to have a peace and at the end of the creation going back almost like staying back home and not doing anything because we were still in quarantine we're still in isolation and Ile was motivated to me by um, one of my mentors Irenta Fondego who said you know this is time for you to do things you have to move you have to get inspired you have to think it could be nothing, but it could be very something. She gave me a space. So in that space, I had music, I had time where I could come for rehearsals, and I had a target to debut this, this piece. Um, that I, I think is my personal, personal, personal achievement because it was um, a piece taken from inside out. This is before me because knowing that women are supposed to be who they need to be. This is me knowing this before that time. And my professional achievements, I would say, was a big, big thing for me. This was when I was selected as one of the dancers in Africa to, to be part of the Sacred Pretend team. Um, the Rite of Spring, Pina Bouch. For me, it was a dream come true. I've always imagined to be on an international stage, but I didn't know how it would happen. Although I kept going, I didn't know how it would come. I just kept moving. I just kept doing, being on the path that I needed to be. So this is my professional achievement, being on the Rite of Spring team. And having my first dance solo piece orchestrated by me was my first personal achievement. So this is why I said it is hard for me to segregate this personal and professional achievement because looking at it, they, they both um, liaise to my work and although it is still who I am and that's it for me yes and those are incredible achievements very understandable that that solo work as you said is was from the inside out so what have you or rather how has your career helped you learn about the world by accepting different cultures by 
accepting people the way they are. Okay, let me start by this saying where they say if you're in Rome, you have to act like you're in Rome. You have to be a Roman. Yes, this is it for me. Well, this is my way of summarizing this part of my question. Because accepting cultures, accepting the people, accepting the food, accepting this might not be the things that I'm used to, but because I'm there and you know, there are things that you can change at the moment. The world, how, we, how I live in Nigeria is not the way someone who lives in, in Senegal, it's not the way someone who lives in, in, the, in Germany, it's not the same way someone who lives, you know, any other way in the world. How I think things, how I think about things, it's not the same way my other person could think about this. And so it just gives me the ability to, to also listen you know, also listen to people, take take people, you don't have to be you, 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 you all the time. You have to take people's objectives, you know, think about it. It makes you listen, it makes you think, it makes you leave, it makes you accept. This, these are the things that um, my creativity to the world has, has, has brought me into, not just being myself, but to also be myself with the people around me. Yes, that's what that made me be. Mm. A lot of this happened in, in times, you know, I learned, I asked for advices from people who are already in, in, in what I am doing, who have passed through my stage to, you know, guide me through things. And all of this has shaped me. All of this has helped me to, to liaise with the other side of the world that I'm not familiar with. Mm. Excellent. So can you tell us about the focus of your creative work and why you choose to center your work around this? So be that the work you create as a dancer or the work that you present as an actor or a costume designer or a choreographer, what are some of the themes that you focus on? The focus of my creative work is teaching and having a workshop and having to do my own short films. Having to do my own short films now brings me as a customer, brings me as an actor, because I have to direct this, I have to style and costume this. So it helps me bring my other aspects of art into my field of work. But generally, because I like to, in times, though in times I've realized that I, I like to teach, I like to talk. I dance, but I also like to talk. You know, sometimes it might not just be about dance, dance. It might be creating awareness on other things people need to learn. And my focus is on young girls like me, younger than I am, although because I, I still feel that I, I can still go more if I have had someone at my earlier stage to, to be able to teach me. So I learned things on the way. I learned things while I see them. I learned in times. But if I can also give people, other girls, the opportunity to learn things, the way I didn't learn them, it would be, it would be a great creative work. Um, it, it will also be a great focus for me. So now, apart from creating my own work, doing my video clips and trying to costume myself, trying to direct. 
um, really, 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 really focusing on having a workshop with young Nigerian girls and creating awareness, also trying to reach out to young African children that I know to you know, help them in their career paths and allow them to know that everything is possible in as much as dance helps us to coordinate, dance creates a good well-being and makes us healthy. They should also realize that it's not about dance, not because I'm a dancer, I would want to talk you into being a dancer. But when you listen to a life story of someone, you could liaise it and you know place yourself into a better position to enjoy the states, to enjoy where you are going to. Growing up, I, I never thought I would be a dancer. I'd always wanted to be a barrister. I'd always wanted to be a lawyer. And, you know, in time, I turned my hobby. Dancing was just a hobby. But in time, I turned my hobby into, into something that I enjoy. Now, I, I'm not just enjoying it, but I'm making a, a livelihood from it. And this is quite encouraging. And to also show parents that your hobby can, can lead you to to having to be who you are, to having to, you know, put food on your table, clothe you and take care of your family. And although this can also happen with the right goals and the right focuses. So this is my focus on my creative work. Mm, well, it's definitely will be inspiring to the young girls that you work with and who see you and see the fantastic things that you've achieved. So I know that would be really a wonderful experience for anyone that you have the chance to work with. So, you know, you inspire them, but what or who is your biggest inspiration? Apart from having God as my biggest inspiration, my family is my biggest inspiration. My late mother always tells me that when you remember your background, where you're coming from, you might not lose your destination. This takes you to being focused, you know, not that some other people do not think about where they come from or their background, but it keeps you, it keeps you, it reminds you of so many things. So every time I go out, I remember, I try to remember what she tells me. You have to remember where you're coming from so you know where you're going to. So every time I have my family as my biggest inspiration and everyone around me. That's amazing. That's a beautiful message. And I know she would be very proud of you and everything that you've achieved, as we mentioned earlier as well. And I'd love to hear more about your recent involvement with the Awa Dance Mentorship Programme where I just have to make a side note where you had the most amazing mentor. <laughs> yeah, I did. For our listeners, I was Gloria's <laughs> mentor for this program. <laughs> so, you know, you really lucked out on that one, definitely. Can you tell us about that process and what is the importance of mentorship for you? At that time in my life, I needed someone to mentor me. And I... I just, and I still at that same time, I would be really frank that I just emotionally lost my only mentor that I had mentoring me all through the years. She was upset with me for, I don't know what, I, I do know what for, but I, I, I was wishing we could, we could, you know, go back to it. And I really wanted to know what my mistakes were and during my mentorship program, I realized what my mistakes were with her. 
And the mentorship program came at the right time. And then I realized that sometimes all you need to do is apply, you know? You have to make the first step. If you don't apply, people won't see you. They won't realize that you need this thing. So I didn't even know that I was going to get this mentorship program being selected in it. I just, you know, tried to apply for it. And then along the line, I realized that Camera Gray was going to be one of the mentors. And I'm like, oh, yeah. This is after some months I met Kamara when she spoke to me um, in the artistic youth dance about uh, the right of spring. And this was my first relationship with her. And I, I, I kept reading about her. I kept going back to see who she was. And I realized the first thing that got me attracted was that she works with children of all ages. And this is also my direction. And, you know, having someone like that to mentor you would keep you in shape, in good mind and in good perspective. So the mentorship gave us a good deal of, you know, trying to you choose who you want your mentors to be. And I, I stated why I would really want Camera to be my, my mentor. And, and then this happened really fast. When this mentorship, mentorship program started, two months later, we were caught back on tour. And I had to write back to the program that I wouldn't be able to make up for the program all the time. Can they help me in any way? Because I really... You know, now I'm having everything that I do not have. I'm having all of them together. How do I manage myself was what I was thinking. So, you know, open up, speak up. This is where I learned. You have to speak up. They can't imagine why you are not there. But when you speak up, there will be a way in settling issues. So I spoke, wrote to the organizers to say that I'm back on tour. I've been trying to, we've been on tour before, but we couldn't because of the pandemic. But now we are back on tour, and I think that this is setting that we're going. But I, I really do not want to drop out of this. I want to be here. How do you help me? Fantastically, the team wrote back to me and said, okay, you know what? We are going to keep recording for you. You, you, you just do what you have to do and know that we have you in mind. We wish you all the best. And that was enough for me. Uh, we have days where... We meet, I meet with other girls like me in different works of the artistic life. We have dancers, we have directors, we have photographers. We just have people, different, different, different women, you know, in the same space trying to share ideas to themselves. We have those days when we meet like that. We also have days where we meet with the artistic director, Avatara Ayuso where we have to have a had to have discussion. And the most amazing part for me is coming back to meet with my mentor all the time. And every time I meet with my mentor is like a breakthrough for me because it takes away my depression. Cause I would say that I'm, I'm an African and I meet with girls who have facilities who have finance, who know how to get support. And these are things that I needed, but I didn't know how to get it. 
So from everything I learned from the interaction with the artistic director and with the girls, and then I'm a bit confused and downcasted. I just run back to my mentor and say, oh yes, I have this problem. Please, can you, have, can you help me? How do I solve this? And it, it's interesting to know that she, my, my, my mentor is, has empathy. She doesn't, she doesn't you know, let my, my, my problems just slide away. She finds way to solve them. And for every end of the meeting, I find a relief and a new way to move onto the next level. One more thing I learned from this mentorship program was being able to, to define my goals, not just to define my goals, but to find a way to achieve them and to also make your goals realistic. That was one thing I knew that. <laughs> so um, having a realistic goal for me was, wasn't what I, I knew about, but when you state your goals, when you try to achieve them and then you can't achieve them, it's something. And making it realistic is another thing. So I realized that when you can't achieve them, it is okay to start over again. This is what this program has made me, made me realize. And when it's unrealistic, it is still okay to go back and think about it, go back, see it and think about it. It was a seven month mentorship program, but it was worth a lifetime. Um, I'm still in the moment. It's quite uplifting because now I, I believe I can face anything. I believe I can see things and, you know, speak, hold on to it. If I enjoy it, I hold on to it. If I don't want, I let it go, you know. And having to be with like minds was something special. Having everyone sharing and seeing how you could navigate things by yourself. I spoke about being down because at, I think at the third, fourth month, people were already, you know, skyrocketing into their own goals. And I ran back to my mentor and said, I, I think my goals are not goals enough. And, and she said, no, your goals could be anything. Your goals should always be something that makes you, that makes you not break you. So these are the things that I learned in times. These are, for me, some people would think that these are little things, but little things makes greater things in life. Little things help you to, you know, to, to know where and where you should be at a particular time. I learned about SMART goals. I, I always want to talk about this. You know, I learned about SMART goals, how to implement them, how to, you know, make it clear, how to make yourself clear. These are things that I learned from the mentorship program. Um, we ended in January and it's, it's been amazing. It's just been an amazing process for me. I enjoyed every, every hour I spent with every lady on, on, on Zoom. It was on Zoom. Yes, I enjoyed every hour, every minute with Avatara, with the other girls, the other women I met. And during the mentorship program, there was a 
breakfast, another program that came up. And, you know, I was, I was sponsored for the mentorship program. But when you find value in, in, in something, you would know the essence of paying for something else. So this NEST program was supposed to pay. And when I looked at it, it was a very little money to pay for so much to learn. And this is something artists needs to know that sometimes you have to pay. You have to pay to gain, to gain, to gain the knowledge, not just artists, organizations, parents, you know, people who want to, to, if you want to get a value from someone, if you want to get um, a work done from someone, you need to know how to pay. So pay for services, pay for services. And then most times, don't think you're paying so much because most times what you pay is done for the passion of it. So I got, I got a lot from the second. So I was going for two, two programs at a, at a time in different hours and it was really worth it. The whole program was very, very amazing. That sounds like you had an amazing mentor and I would love to have that as well. Well done, Kamara. And um, you talked about earlier, you talked about, you know, just taking that first step and keep pushing forward. And you've been very determined throughout your career thus far. So how do you stay motivated to continue pursuing your goals, especially on the days when you may not want to? Remembering that I do not want to go back to where I'm coming from. That is enough motivation for me. <laughs> it's, it, it's hard. It's easy to say it's hard, but that's enough motivation for me. Looking mm -hmm. at myself, you know, for years, uh, I've been dancing since 2010, since 2010 professionally. And remembering how I started I started as a commercial dancer, moving into different styles, accepting different styles, now finding a path for myself. In days where I don't want to do these things anymore, I just get inspired by not wanting to go back from where I'm coming from. You know, it can always be better. It could be really tough, really, really, really strong, sometimes not motivating at all. Or you can't just stop there because there is, a better life after this world chaos. What is your vision for yourself in the future, personal or professional? Is to keep learning, continue learning, continue teaching, continue growing, continue living my dream. Yeah. Those are good things to keep at the forefront of your mind so that you can continue to achieve even more incredible things that you have already achieved. So uh, Gloria, I really have to thank you for sharing with us today. And we're just about to round up our conversation. But before we do, there is a surprise question we like to ask all of our guests. It is, which do you prefer, yams or yuca? And how do you like them cooked? I think I prefer yams. <laughs> yes. And I prefer them boiled and fried later. Slightly boiled and later fried. So I, you can go with anything. You can go with pepper sauce. You can yeah. go as a snack. Yeah. And to know that yam is also one of my favorite foods. So when I do the cornflower soup, 
it best goes with pounded yam. Mm. Mm. Well, yeah, you just answered my question, which is what's the perfect meal? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, that's the perfect meal. Excellent. So boil them first, then fry it, and then add it with the cornflour soup. Got it. We'll add that to our, our recipe book, Kamara. <laughs> yes, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. This is a great, 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 great pleasure. You're I'm welcome. hoping to see you in person really soon. Mm -hmm. Yes, hopefully we can, because I know that you'll, you'll be coming to London for the Pina Bausch Rite of Spring. Is that right? Yes, yes, we will be. So on that note, can you just tell us what else you're working on now and how listeners can learn more about you and your work? Three weeks ago, I finished uh, a dance film with two boys. And basically, that's what I've been doing on paper. I have been trying to figure out how to start my tour um, very soon, I'm going to bring up the name of this tour. It's a tour for uh, Nigerian girls. Most times I post on my Instagram account, uh, Miss Teshi. But in my free time, because I like to write also, I go to my blog and drop the things that I need to drop. Uh, GloriaBiachi.blogspot.com. This is where I like to drop some of my work, some of the things that I want to do and I really still do it. Thank you. Well, we look forward to seeing uh, your work on tour. Of course, we look forward to seeing you on the stage at Sadler's Wells when you come to perform Rite of Spring. Thank you so much, Gloria, for sharing your incredible journey and for sharing your your artistry yeah thank you and we look forward to seeing you when you come to london thank you well on that note we're going to take a break to digest everything gloria has just shared with us and when we come back it will be time for dessert we'll be right back We are back and it's time for our sweet and savory desserts. We're going to recap those moments in the conversation that give us a sweet sugar rush or the others that are richer, stick to our stomachs and a bit more fulfilling. So Kamara, for me, my sweet moment was when she was talking about the cooking competition where she made the cornflower soup and won a competition for the very first time. <laughs> I just thought that was really sweet. Like... You know, you go in there and you just bang it out. <laughs> you know, how often does that happen? And it just kind of like made me think, you know, those people who just, you know, that they have like just, I don't know, like not even the good luck or a blessing or something like that. Like that, it just happens to those type of people. So it was just really sweet. Mm -hmm. What about you? What was your sweet moment? My sweet moment was the same as that. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Yeah. She just, you know, the way she told it and how she, got the recipe from her mom and then she she made it for the first time uh yeah it was definitely very fun and as he said she seems like that type of person who who determined to succeed mm -hmm. and it really kind of showed her leadership qualities yeah and um that desire to win 
as yeah. well. Yeah. Desire to win. So it was a really positive story and I'm glad it had a positive outcome for her. Yeah, definitely. And also like with cooking, how she was talking about cooking with her friends, it just kind of reminded me of like learning how to cook certain things with my friends in college mm-hmm. and that bonding experience that you have of like trying something new. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just all around sweet moments around food and, and cooking with Gloria. Mm-hmm. And what about your savory moment? Um, So I had a couple, but I'm going to mention this one because it was something brief, but I think it's important. She Mm. said, uh, sometimes you have to pay to gain the knowledge that you need. Mm. And, you know, we kind of know it that you have to invest in ourselves, but sometimes we don't really, or or the people that we work with, like young people don't don't always appreciate that need that you have to pay for things. You Mm -hmm. really have to invest in yourself. And at times it will require a financial investment of your money or time. And if you're not able to access that, then you will have to find that investment some some other ways. I think a lot of times, you know, we expect to get freebies, things for free, Mm -hmm. um, things at low cost. And, you know, that's just definitely something that I've learned over time. You've got to pay for things at the end of the day. Yeah and really take the time, energy, and resources to invest in yourself. Yeah, that just made me think of, you know, the famous Debbie Allen quote, fame costs, and here's where you start paying. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, and we've seen it as well with our our young people. You know, sometimes they say they can't afford something, but yet then you see them with something else, like a new phone or a headphones phone. exactly. or something, some gadget, right? Or yeah. a new pair, or they'll be first in line if the new pair of Jordans come out or whatever. Right. So it's just like, where are your priorities? Where mm-hmm. are your priorities? If if dance is is something that you say you want to do, and you know, I acknowledge that not everybody has access to financial resources. I, I do acknowledge that, and there are other ways to kind of get access to that, whether it's through scholarships or things like that. But at the end of the day, you do have to put in the time, effort, and really invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that ties actually really nicely to my savory moment mm-hmm. where she was just, she knew she had to go to that audition and mm-hmm. like that determination that she had to show up at the Institute until she spoke with someone to get mm-hmm. to get the money or f- figure out how to get there. And it right. was like when she did finally arrive in the room, mm-hmm. she felt like she knew she was supposed to be there in that moment and mm-hmm. that kind of like destiny fulfilled kind of experience of like, this is where I'm supposed to be all that hard work paid off mm-hmm. and, you know, really seizing that opportunity that you worked so hard for. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That was my, that was my savory moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's a, a great example. Like you said there, she didn't have the funds to get there. She didn't know how she was going to get there, Yeah, but she made sure she uh, followed up with, with the funding, mm-hmm. with the, with the organization that could possibly provide funding for her so that mm-hmm. she could create that pathway to get there. So that was really, that was really positive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was a, a good a good thing to leave our listeners with yes. and to finish up for today. So, of course, we'd like to thank you all for listening. And please do let us know what your sweet and savory moments were using the hashtag Yams and Yuka. That's right. Don't forget to tag us at Yams and Yuka on Twitter and at Yams and Yuka podcast on Instagram and Facebook. You can also reach out to us at, on email at Yams and Yuka podcast at gmail.com. That again is yams and yuka podcast at gmail.com. 
Yes, we want to hear your thoughts on today's conversation. Let's keep the discussion going and feel free to share your stories as well to add to our yams and yuca tapestry. We will chat with you guys again next time. Bye. Bye.